0: God, I'm not gonna lie. Today's Women of Impact has lived through one of my biggest fears in life, where one decision, one decision can change the course of your life forever. You see, from as young as age three, all she wanted to do was dance. And by the age of five, she was already competing regionally and nationally. So by age 17, she'd become the dancing queen. Dancing to the beat of the tambourine, she could dance, she could jive, and she was having the best time of her life. Until that one fateful night that sliding door moment, that moment where one single decision, one single seemingly small decision to get in the car with her friends who had been drinking. She woke up in the hospital with a broken back after the driver hit a tree head on. The lower half of her body was detached from her torso and so all that was holding her together was her skin. And while the driver walked away with just a few scratches, she had suffered irreversible damage to her spinal cord, leaving her paralyzed from the waist down. Her body was shattered along with her dreams of ever walking or dancing again. Oh, hell no! She decided, just like that sliding door moment, that she had two choices. Two paths lay before her. Listen to the doctors, listen to everyone saying to give up on your goals and to succumb to your circumstances, or ignore them. Ignore them all and write her own rules. Either way, the decision was hers to make. Why can't she still dance? Why can't she still compete? She decided that if the road she wanted a wheel down didn't exist, then she would pave her own. And so, wanting to meet other women with equal determination and resilience, she built and launched her very own wheelchair dance team, the Rolettes. Featured on Ellen The Today Show and the appropriately named music video Invincible by Kelly Clarkson, it is safe to say she is freaking invincible. So please help me in welcoming the woman who founded the largest international women's empowerment foundation for women in chairs. The woman featured on GMA, Inside Edition, Business Insider and Pop Sugar, just to name a few. And today's woman of impact, a dancer, entrepreneur, community leader and author who is showing us all how you can triumph after tragedy. The dancing queen herself, Chelsea Hill. <laughs> What's up, Gab? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Girl, when I first heard your story, I was like, have her on the show. I need to talk to her. So, And where I want to start is in that moment, you wake up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all been in situations where we're like, shit, shouldn't have done that. That was a bad decision. But yours obviously was a decision that had changed the course of your life. When you wake up, how do you not feel self-pity? Or did you feel self-pity? In fact, let's start there.
1: You know, when I first woke up, I was completely in disbelief. Um, My parents had to wait about two weeks to tell me the news um, until I was completely coherent of what was going on. And in those two weeks, I always was asking questions like, why can't I feel my legs? I feel like there's something around my waist. What's going on? And, uh, you know, then the doctor came in. He said, so do you have any questions for me? And the first thing I said was, yeah, why can't I feel my legs? And he said well you have a spinal cord injury and you're never going to be able to walk again and i was like how is that possible i'm not just like i don't just walk around i'm a dancer and he said i'm so sorry that's not possible anymore and for the first year i was in denial i was like i'm gonna be the miracle i'm gonna be the miracle this isn't my fate i'm not supposed to be like this not walking wasn't a thing to me so then days went on and I didn't get any feeling back and you know I had I had those moments where I was just so angry with the world and so angry with everything around me but I was always angry with myself because I chose to get in
0: the car right so let's talk about that because that's so strong so a How do you take that ownership? Mm -hmm. Because so many people, and it's easy to do, it's their fault. It's his fault. He was drinking. He made the mistake. He ran into the tree. And so I always like to think about it in universal terms. I'm Mm -hmm. like, how, because not everybody's in your specific situation, but let me tell you, so many people easily will point the finger at somebody else. And so when it comes to someone with um, a situation like yours that seems so... God just intends to say the least, how do you not just blame them?
1: Yeah, you know, for so long, uh, everyone was like, well, it's his fault, he did this too. And I was like, yes, but also like, I got into the car. Nobody dragged me in the car, you know, and, and in order for me to move on, I wanted to just own what I did and own the fact of me getting in the car and owning the fact of me not getting out of the car when, I drove, when we drove by my house. Like, there was all these little factors mm-hmm. that I had the chance to get out, but I chose not to. And so I had to own that because the driver was also dealing with so much at the time too that to also add on the fact that he did this to me was like,
0: I felt, I felt bad. Wow, how do you put yourself into that position then? Because God, it's so easy to just think of yourself, like, poor yeah. me, why me, why did this happen? Um, even if I chose it, you know, to to think of and worrying about what he's going through. How did you make that switch or how did you do that?
1: Um, I just kept telling myself, I don't wanna be like this, so I'm just gonna ignore it. And I wanted people and I wanted my community to see me as someone that was just like everyone else, except I was sitting down and I was so focused on being that miracle that was going to get up and walk again, that Mm. I was just like, I'm good, I'm good. And a lot of it was just Mm. me trying to prove to everyone else in the beginning that I was normal and that I can still dance and that I can still do all the things. And my first time that I actually danced was in high school. And that was where I was like, okay, I still feel what I used to. And I was so focused on that and so focused on just trying to fight that feeling and fight for it that I just started to push away um, what what actually happened, you know, and Mm. I started to just go, well, I. I wanna be a dancer, I wanna do this, and why should this stop me? If this is how I'm gonna be for the rest of my life or for however long, then every day I'm just gonna make the best of it until mm. it changes, and if it doesn't, hopefully I build, I build a
0: beautiful life. So how did you get to that acceptance, right? Because you said you were in denial for the first year, now I'm gonna walk again, it's like this is just a temporary thing. So how what did the evolution look like from going from denial to acceptance um and then moving forward with your life
1: you know for me i think it's a daily thing i think it's something that i have to work on every single day Mm. i don't think there's any day where i'm like i'm okay with how i am but i can't give up i can't close the curtains and say poor me because I run a business now. I have people counting on me. I have responsibilities, just like every other 27 year old young woman. I have responsibilities, you know? So I think every day I have my own type of acceptance Mm. where I have to look at the mirror and see myself in a wheelchair and tell myself, I love you. You're beautiful. You're capable, and I have to do that to myself every day. And some days are hard, some mornings are hard, some nights are hard when I have nerve pain and I can't sleep, but the outlook and the vision that I have for my life is so much bigger than the moment that I'm feeling those low moments. And when I am feeling low, sometimes I just need to feel it, you know? Because you can be such on a high for so long, but at some point you gotta come mm-hmm, down and mm-hmm. come back to, to who you are. And for me, what I do is, I look at the photos of me dancing before, and I look at the photos of, of, of me standing, and, and I'm like, wow, that was such a beautiful part mm-hmm. of my life. It's not who I am now, but I'm so proud of the woman that I've become, despite my limitations that people think I have. And I have to just keep telling myself of all the accomplishments that I've had and, and really like own it. And sometimes I even go on social media and I'm like, all right, I need to find some inspiration. Like I follow dancers and stuff. And that's what gets me like going again where I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to go do it. I have to go dance class because that's, that's what makes me feel so normal is
0: going to dance class. Have you always, in fact, since um, you've been in the chair, have you always looked at then the dancers and it given you motivation? Or was there any point where it made you feel badly um, because you couldn't do it?
1: Yeah. Um, yes. Oof. A year and a half after my accident, I remember saying like, well, I want to go take classes. And I was with one of my best friends at the time. And I was like, Let's go take classes somewhere. And so we drove an hour and a half to go take this class, and, and we would go every week. We made it like our thing. We had like our, our routine. And uh, I remember they said, We're doing auditions. And it was an all able body dance troupe. And I was like, I'll audition. What the heck? You know? I ended up auditioning for this able body dance team that goes and competes everywhere. And I ended up making it. And that was when I was like, I did it. I can. I can do this? Like, okay, cool. But in that, I had to fall back in love with dance in a different way because I was looking in the mirror at all these able-bodied dancers, and then I saw me on the side in a wheelchair, and I was the only one in a wheelchair. And there were so many times in that time period that I left the studio crying so many times because I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm looking at me being different than everyone and so in the beginning i just told myself fake it till you make it mm. just keep going keep going keep going prove to everyone that you're, you deserve to be there like every other person out there and i kept doing that and it was hard it was really hard but every down time that i had really helped me find the high times mm. you know it really it was part of my journey
0: So when you're in those down moments and, you know, you're you're not feeling good and you've made this dance, but you're comparing yourself to others, right? Like so many of us, we all compare ourselves to each other. Um, How did you push yourself to keep things going, right? So you're saying that you're looking online, you're seeing these people, you're saying, hey, I need to look for these people more like me. But that's just that's such a positive attitude to have. Right. Some people, a lot of people, in fact, um, and including myself, once upon a time would have just been like, this just, this sucks. This isn't yeah. good for my confidence. It's not good for my ego. It's not good for my self-esteem. So I'm just not going to do it. Mm. But instead of saying that, you're like, no, I just need to find another way.
1: Yeah, I, I, they, I have moments of that, okay. you know, and I still do. And I think that's the human in us, you know, like we have like those times where we have the ups and the downs, but, but you have to find it within you to get back to the ups. I think it also comes down to the accountability that I had on myself because I didn't want to let my friend down. So I didn't want to cancel on her Mm. because I felt different. Okay. And I think accountability is something that people can do in different ways. You know, like I'll just go because there are portions of the classes that I like, but I just won't focus on on the low part so i started figuring out how to fall back in love with mm. dance and i started just focusing on myself and watching myself in the mirror and watching the able-bodied choreographer from just the waist up and i started retraining my brain to take in choreography differently to not look at him look at his feet look at them in the mirror look at me look at my wheelchair and then get into my head i just I had to stay focused and I started falling back in love with it and I started enjoying it and then on top of that then when I was put into the pieces I had everyone on the sidelines cheering for me and screaming for me and I just I got that same rush that I was fighting for Mm. that I still had in me I just had to find it and it was the same feeling that I had before my accident and I think that's when you love something so much you just refuse to let it go you just have to find a different focus
0: yeah and you, know? you think that all stems from the initial spark and passion that you have for it
1: yeah i'm a firm believer and once a dancer always a dancer and i think that people in this world don't understand that everyone can be a dancer mm-hmm. in their own way and i just had to find
0: my way that worked for me god i love that so much and the fact that you didn't succumb to the limitations put upon you how do you or do you look at if there is a difference between people's opinions of limitations and then the realities of limitations
1: yeah it's such a wide word you know people look at me and they're like oh she's so limited there's only so much she can do but i've found over the last few years there's so much more that i can do rather than i cannot do Mm. and that's what i love so much because Every day I fight to see what I can do. What can I accomplish today? You know, and I think also a big part of that is, is having people around you that want to support you, that are your tribe, mm. that only want to see what you can do mm. and want to go on the journey with you to, to figure that out. Because I think there's so much fun in that, too. You know, whether you're an amputee, whether you've gone through something like I have, or whether you have an invisible disability, or whether you have an emotional disability or a mental, like whatever that is, surrounding yourself around people that don't see the limitation, that see the opportunity instead, I think is so powerful. And once you find those people, hang on to them because they're the people that are going to make your dreams come true. And they're the people that are going to be right behind you saying, you can do this, Mm. especially when you have those down
0: times. God, your perspective is incredible because I think that that's what it comes down to. Whether you know you're in a chair or not, or whatever disability, whether like you said, whether it's emotional, mental, mm-hmm. um, it all starts with how you see yourself yeah. and the belief in yourself or not. Um, I actually heard you talk, and I, I thought it was really funny where you said, you know, people um, say like, "Oh my God, she dances," and she, you know, in in a wheelchair, and they always caveat it with the fact that you're wheelchair bound uh-huh. and the fact that they say wheelchair bound. Mm-hmm. But you say, no one says this person started the business and, but overcame their yeah. anxiety. Like no one talks yeah. about the emotional, but because it's so physical, yep. people feel like it's important to mention, but we don't ever caveat anyone else's success when it becomes an emotional yeah. difficulty or, a- yeah, you know,
1: it's so crazy to me because I had to learn that people would go, Oh my God, you're grocery shopping and you're in a wheelchair. Right. I'm like, well, yeah, I need food. Like, you know, at people always, I think because it's visible, mm-hmm. people think it's okay to, to say. And a lot of people think like, you know, oh, well, you're wheelchair bound, so you can't do this. You're bound to that. But there are so many people out there that struggle with anxiety, struggle with the mental part and depression that, that still go on every single day, you know? And mm-hmm. everyone has a disability. Everyone has a something mine is just more visible than others. And that's what I always tell people is mine's just visible. There's so many people out there that are doing incredible things that maybe theirs isn't visible. Maybe Mm. it's mental, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's, you know, spiritual. Mm. Is that how then you ended up developing Be Boundless? Yeah, you know, it was really a team effort though. Um, Being boundless is like, it's, the whole movement that we started was we wanted to encourage our community of wheelchair users to be boundless mentally, physically, or emotionally. And for so long before that I was doing interviews and it would be wheelchair bound dancer, wheelchair bound athlete. So me and my team and all the rollouts, we were like, how do we beat this? How do we show people? And so we made this big campaign video and, and that was the pivotal moment for us where we're like, Oh my gosh, we have to make a difference. Mm. We have to change the way people talk about us. Not for us now, but for the little kids that we use wheelchairs and the little kids after that. And so it was just became this big, beautiful movement.
0: Yeah. It seemed like it it was, you know, part of like a um, pushback on um, labeling. Yeah. Um, and yes. I think that that's something as well um, that so many people can relate to whether you're in a chair or not, mm-hmm. is that people put labels on you. And I've heard you speak, um, speak about that, about not just being one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think so many people can relate. So talk to me about that, on how you don't allow yourself to be defined mm-hmm. as Chelsea, the, the girl in the wheelchair, or even Chelsea Hill, the, the girl that dances. Like, how do you not put yourself in any box?
1: Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's always trying to defy the odds. So yes, I'm a dancer. Yes, I'm a wheelchair dancer. Um, but I also love to do like workouts and I love, I'm falling in love with cooking right now. Like I'm so much more than that. And I think everyone is so much more than what people think and what they just see, you know, Mm -hmm. for me and what I put out there, it started with my passion with dance, but now I'm, I run an international business. Like I never would have thought I would be doing that, but I'm so passionate about it. And I think when you become passionate about something, it's you know one thing leads to another, leads to another. And and I never want to be put into a box of just oh you're disabled, right? You know, and like and I'm I've I've owned certain I guess labels because my best friend Allie Stroker, she uh, just won a Tony Award. She's on Broadway. She's in a wheelchair. She's been paralyzed since she was three. She told me to embrace my differences when I was very early injured. Okay. And that was a moment for me where I was like, I'm going to embrace wheelchair dancing. I'm going to embrace being a young woman in a wheelchair. I'm going to embrace who I am. And I think, you know, there's boxes that people put people in, mm-hmm. but I think if you challenge yourself to get out of that box and try something different and people go, oh my gosh, I didn't know she could cook in a wheelchair or, oh my gosh, I didn't know she could travel the world. You know, once you start challenging yourself, I think it
0: also challenges other people to see you differently. Mm, That's very true. So how do you actually embrace it then? Um, Like, tell me one thing that you're like, okay, I really had to embrace it and I didn't originally. And what did that strategy actually look like?
1: I had to embrace people saying, oh, Chelsea, oh, the wheelchair dancer. And I was like, the dancer.
0: Okay. The dancer.
1: Yeah. And then I saw that I was very I was one of very few people in the world that really really loved dancing in their wheelchairs. I started to actually go, yeah, I dance in my wheelchair and smile about it and be confident and and embrace it. And that confidence helped me help me reach all these other women And bring them in and get to know them and now they're my best friends or my sisters like i if i feel like if i never embraced wheelchair dancing that title i would have just wanted to be a part of able body you know groups Mm. and not be not run an all women's wheelchair dance team and i think the first time that i was like oh my gosh this is powerful was i got a Facebook message from a choreographer that was working with Kelly Clarkson. And she goes, I'm doing a music video for Kelly Clarkson and I would love for you to be in it. And I was like, me? It, and this, me? And she was like, yeah, please. Like, we would love to have you. And I went to the studio and it was down a flight of stairs. So I had to get carried down. And that was like, to me, some people would have been like, oh, I can't do it because you have to carry me down the stairs. So I'll leave and I'll miss out on this opportunity. But I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to scoop my butt down those stairs. I'm going (laughs) to go to this choreography class. I'm going to learn this routine. And the song was just so perfect. I think that was my turning point where I was like, this is something. Like, this is different. This is beautiful. And it was a process. It's not not an overnight Mm -hmm. thing where I'm like, okay, someone's going to say wheelchair dancer. I'm going to say, yeah, it was a okay, but all of the things leading up to it was a process of, of accepting that word Mm. and accepting wheelchair dancer, dancer title. And, you know, with when Kelly Clarkson okayed me to be in her music video, it was like, it was this moment where I was like, I, I am enough. This is enough. This is something different. And people, people want to see it, you know? And so I think it's a process and I think even still to this day, they're like, oh, wheelchair dance team. And I'm like, that's not normal, but I want to make it normal. I don't want people to go, whoa, this is like one in a million, even though it's really cool. But like, I want there to be more things out there for wheelchair dancers and and more organizations to pop up because the feeling that I get out there, people deserve to feel.
0: Mm. Yeah, it seems like you're really driven by purpose.
1: Yeah. In the beginning, it came from wanting to prove to my community that I wasn't the only one, mm-hmm. that I wasn't the only one that maybe made a mistake or had a terrible thing happen to me. Like, you know, I wanted to educate my school. You know, when I was laying in the hospital bed, I asked my dad, can I Skype with my school so they can see me like this? Wow. And I was laying in the hospital bed with a tube down my throat and a tube down my nose and IVs and... And so I think it started then because I wanted people to see that the woman and the young, the girl that was running around jumping and dancing and on the high school varsity dance team, you know, one day was doing that and the next couldn't. And I think I was just so caught up in showing everyone that I wasn't the only person that Mm. in that I found, I found a
0: different purpose. Yeah. Wow. Um, I heard that you said that, um, that you actually went and defended the drunk driver because he was in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about that. Was that easy to do? How did you feel emotionally? Was there mixed emotions? Um, because you kind of want to blame him because it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there you are, like, defending him in court. Mm. Yeah. For me, I really,
1: in the beginning, I just wanted it all to go away. I wanted all the blame to go away. I wanted, I didn't, I felt bad because I, there were people in my friends that said, well, he's going to prison because of you.
0: Like almost blaming Blaming you? Blaming me
1: for him going to prison. So I tried to take some of the blame because I, my friends and my community started taking sides and I wanted to just take on part of that blame because I felt like I could take it but he wrote me letters every month all the time about you know all these different things and what he was doing inside of jail and then when he went to prison and
0: was he blaming you as well no okay
1: no um I wrote a lot of letters that were like I can't go to the bathroom on my own because of you. I can't get, tie my shoes the way I used to. I can't wiggle my toes. I can't shower like I, like, I can't do all these things. Because, like I had all those moments between him and I through letters mm-hmm. and he was my friend, mm-hmm. you know, and he helped me through hard times in high school and I helped him through hard times in high school. And I told him, I said, if you get out and you do good with your life and you teach people about what not to do and the dangers of drinking and driving, I will, I will fight for you because if I can forgive you and you can make good with this and I can make good with this, then maybe this happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for what I did and I still stand by what I did by fighting to get him out of prison. And, you know, I remember the judge looking at, at him going, She's the only reason why you're getting out.
0: Wow, so ha- take me through, that was really powerful that you said, like, you took ownership, which we spoke about earlier in the episode as well, and, and I am so with you, I take ownership over everything, but it never occurred to me that you would take ownership and blame, so how do you navigate those? So you said you took on the blame, did it feel like you were taking it on because you were just trying to set him free, or did you actually feel like you, you felt blame?
1: I... I did start to feel like oh my gosh I'm the reason like if I didn't get a spinal cord injury then then he maybe he wouldn't be going to to prison and watching people online take sides and watching other people that had no idea about that night or or anything take sides and blame me for him going to like it was so hard like that was one of like the hardest times in my life Mm -hmm. I think harder than having the doctor tell me I had a spinal cord injury. Wow. Like, because I was just so caught off guard, Mm. you know, that people could attack someone that had this injury where I already had lost so much. But I think when you take ownership, you take power. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think I just wanted to take, I just wanted to take it all because I was like, I'll just, I'll handle it. Like, I'll deal with it you know, and learn how to do everything with a spinal cord injury. Like, right. I mean, I look back and I'm like, dang, that's a lot to take on for an 18 year old, you yeah, know, God. but I, it goes back to the tribe. Yeah. I had such powerful parents that they, they really helped me get through this. And my dad was just so like, accidents happen. And you know what? I'm focusing on my daughter and she's my pride and joy and she's she's my rock and if she gets through this I'm gonna get through this and so we were so just like focused on me and my Mm. injury and how to get through that that it just kind of I guess I could take on the blame too you know
0: wow that's a lot to take on at 18. How much do you think we are able to get over things like that? Or do you think it, it is a process that you have to do for the rest of your life? I mean, I can't imagine it happening to me today as an adult in my you know, 40s, let alone at 18. So, um, and I can see that it's actually quite emotional for you when you're talking about this.
1: Yeah, I wake up to my reminder every day. I wake up and my wheelchair is right there every day and I have to make a choice in that moment to say, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna move on with my day or I'm gonna say, poor me. But I promised myself in the beginning of this that if I just stayed on this positive path of, of pursuing my dreams, that I'm gonna build a life that I'm proud of. Mm. And that I don't have to think of what if I didn't do this or what if I didn't do that because it's not healthy. But I think a big part of it is understanding that when a tragedy of any sort happens to you, there's always going to be some sort of trigger in your life, whether it's in your day, in your week, that is going to come up and it's how you how you deal with that trigger to go, oh my God, where are you going to cry or where are you going to get mad or whatever, how you, what tools you use to deal with that trigger to calm it back down. Mm. And for me, you know, it was dance in the beginning. It was, you know, going to therapy. It was talking to the driver of the accident. It was creating, you know, surrounding myself around other women like me. It was all those steps, and, you know, it's just an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. But it's that like that for anyone. You know, I've lost, in nine years, I've lost eight friends from drugs and alcohol. And so I think within that, on top of this injury, it's been a part where I've...
0: <clears throat> Sorry. Please. It's okay, sweetie. Take your time
1: for me I just like I've always said why me like why did I survive but all eight of my friends have passed away and so every time a friend has passed away I promised myself that I would keep pushing for them
0: so yeah wow sorry (laughs) no it's I mean, look, don't apologize. This is the whole point of the show is to see the realness of dealing with situations. And, you know, I in researching you and preparing for this episode, I kept saying to myself, like, it's not even that you're in a wheelchair. The wheelchair is just a symbol to me. Right. It's a symbol of something that you've had to fight through. And the realities of having to fight through that, and every single person that is listening or watching this episode right now can relate to that, can relate to a tragedy in their lives, and then trying to either find purpose in it or not find the purpose. And the fact that you can be that real and say, like, every time something happens, I wonder why me? Like, Mm -hmm. That's powerful, and I want people to really hear that. So um, I just want to applaud you and thank you for being so real and honest about it. (laughs)
1: me being paralyzed is so minute to the losses the other losses I've had in 9 years. You know, I can handle this. Mm. It's it's the losses that have happened after that I've promised myself every time like I'm going to do this more because of them. And it pushes me more to want to educate the public on this. Mm. We are so lucky to live in a world with Uber and Lyft, like to be able to live in a world with where you can call up on your phone to get a car delivered to you, you know, don't don't take advantage of the life that you have, because it can be gone
0: in a second. Yeah, the fact that one simple decision really can change the course of your life. Yeah. Um, You know, and I like to think that in every, you know, worst case scenario, you can look and say, how can this be the best thing that's ever happened to me? You know, and your mindset is so freaking incredible. Um, Is that something you've had to adopt along the way because of your situation?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely am not the person that I am today that I was in that hospital bed. You know, I've learned so much as a young woman with a disability and I have a lot more appreciation to different things than mm-hmm. I think I would if I was walking in, in my age. But I think everything that I've gone through has made me a stronger version of myself and I think that's for everyone. Everyone has gone through so many things in life that have made them the person they are today. People do things, people react the way that they react because of things they've gone through in their mm. past, you know. And so, yeah, I'm definitely not the person I was and I'm very proud of what I've created and what I've I've done with my life with this situation um that I have and you know it's one of those things where I'm still learning I learn every day new things
0: what are the three key things in that you have um that your mindset that you've done to your mindset um in order for you to have got to where you are today then
1: I think one of them is always being a sponge so always being able to absorb everything I always challenge myself to learn something from from people that know more than me you know, um, and people that are where I want to be in life. I always try and learn from them. Uh, and so that's one, two, uh, my motto was always say yes, but now where I am today, I'm like, say yes with boundaries. Okay. I like (laughs) that. Yeah. Boundaries are healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think also, um, be selfish Hmm. because In order to be selfish, you have to take care of yourself. Mm. And if you don't take care of yourself, you can't be the best version of yourself for other people.
0: That's amazing. I didn't expect you to say selfish, which actually reminds me of something that I heard you say about making sure that you take care of yourself. And there are moments where you just ran yourself into the ground because you were so focused on um, what are you going to achieve and not being distracted or feeling sorry for yourself. But because of that, you basically drove yourself into the ground. Yeah. Um, how do you now monitor that and make sure that you don't spill over into the, you know, damaging your self care?
1: Yeah, you know, I think in the beginning too, I think you have to really, you have to work every single angle. You have to do all the things. You know, when I was in my apartment running roulettes by myself, I had to, and I was so alone for that first year moving to LA. I had to feel all of those things Mm. in order to understand what I needed. I had to go, okay, I need someone to come in and help. I need, because I have no food in my fridge. I have no this, I have no, I don't know how to help myself in order to build this business. So I think it really was hitting those key points of Mm -hmm. feeling so alone and feeling so helpless that I had to learn other things, you know? So I think being selfish is a good
0: thing in a healthy way,
1: you know, yeah, you know, I can be I, selfish I, in a bad way. But. I
0: love the word selfish. I think people have made it um, seem like such a negative yeah. word, but I'm totally yeah. with you. I think that every person should be selfish. You have
1: to. You have to, in order to run your business, you have to do those things in the morning in order to to make sure that you're ready to take on all of those tasks. You know, mm-hmm. you have to make sure that you're okay before you go and help other people. And so I think that's something that I've learned the last few years where I'm like, I need to make sure that I'm okay, that me and my boyfriend are okay, that my home is okay, in order to make sure that I can have the courage to help other people. God, I love that.
0: So. What's your superpower, girl?
1: (laughs) Um, My superpower. Oh my gosh, that's such a hard one.
0: Oh God, one like screams at me when I ask you that. Really? What is it? Your perspective. You have a way of looking at something that could be so detrimental to you or incredibly empowering and impactful. And every opportunity in this entire discussion, everything that I've asked you, you've had every opportunity to look at the negative, but you've always switched it and said, but I look at it this way. And so that at least was what screamed out at me when I asked you the question. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, And so where can people find you and everything you're doing with the roulettes and just you yourself and... A um, wonderful Instagram. <laughs> thank you,
1: yeah. Uh, you can look on Instagram, just Chelsea Hill, or you can look up the wheelchair dance team, Rolettes, yeah. um, uh, Rolettes underscore LA, and then our website, RolettesDance.com and rolettesexperience.com
0: that's awesome, you. guys! You gotta go check out this woman. I went down the rabbit hole of watching her music videos, and they're so freaking good. So go check her out. If this episode has brought you value, guys, please do subscribe. Click that little subscribe button down there. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, go be the hero of your own life. Peace out.